The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord. Jesus spoke to the crowds and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees have taken their seat on the chair of Moses. Therefore, do and observe all things whatsoever they tell you, but do not follow their example. For they preach, but they do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens hard to carry and lay them on people's shoulders, but they will not lift a finger to move them. All their works are performed to be seen. They widen their phylacteries and lengthen their tassels. They love places of honor at banquets, seats of honor in synagogues, greetings in marketplaces, and the salutation, Rabbi. As for you, do not be called Rabbi. You have but one teacher, and you are all brothers. Call no one on earth your father. You have but one father in heaven. Do not be called master. You have but one master, the Christ. The greatest among you must be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, but whoever humbles himself will be exalted. The Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Practice what you preach. Every mom and dad wants to teach that to their kids. It's one of the most fundamental sort of lessons of life that, that you want your kids growing up to learn, to be true to their word, to follow through on their activity, to walk their talk, to be people who others can rely on. It's also, that little phrase, a great smackdown for those blowhards that you run into from time to time in life who love to expound upon what everybody else should be doing while they themselves don't do it. Practice what you preach or shut up. It's kind of the way to quiet them down. You know, practicing what we preach is a great, great thing. But we all know from our own lives that it's really, really hard. It's not easy to put into life, especially for us who are Christians, this beautiful gospel that God has given us in Jesus, this way that he's shown us, these beautiful values that are, are so sublime and so precious and, and, and so fragile even. You know, loving our neighbor, loving God, being forgiving, being compassionate in all things at all times. It's really hard to live that. We know it so well. You know, we know how hard it is to be forgiving of people who've hurt us. We know how easily easy it is to be annoyed by people in their, their strange little ways and to set them aside and not bother with them. We know how easy it is to treat others like objects rather than persons, sons and daughters, brothers and sisters created in God's image. All of that we know is really, really hard. And yet we have this beautiful gospel that's been given to us that needs to be proclaimed, that needs to be preached, that needs to be taught. 
You know, how else can the world survive? How else can the world thrive? If this beautiful, magnificent story of life and love with all of its ideals and its principles and its values is just left beside because poor us, we just aren't up to proclaiming it. We're so weak and we're so faulted and we have so many things that we don't do right in our lives that how could we dare to preach this gospel? It's really kind of a complicated thing. It's it's hard to live it and we feel guilty proclaiming it because, because we don't live it so well. Yet it's, it's no small thing. It's no small thing that we, we don't live our values, that we don't walk our talk, that we're not proclaiming in deed as well as in word because everybody here probably knows someone who's said boldly to them, well, I don't go to church because they're all hypocrites in church. They go and be holy on Sunday and then on Monday they're the same jerks they always were. And when we hear that, we almost are compelled to say, you know, guilty as charged. Mea culpa, mea culpa, mea maxima culpa. For those of you who remember your Latin. <laughs> my fault, my fault, my grievous fault. You know, it's, yes, it's true. It's true we're you know, vessels of clay. It's true we're faulted human beings. It's true we're imperfect. So then, because of that, do we just let the whole thing sit on the side? Or do somehow or other we continue to proclaim it, faulted proclaimers that we obviously are? Luckily for us, St. Paul shows us that this is nothing new. This is not just a modern problem, a contemporary issue for Christians of our day. And Paul is writing to the Romans in the seventh chapter. You can almost feel him. You can almost feel him tearing at his heart, showing us just how, how troubled he is by the very same reality. When he goes on, you know, I, I want to do the good, but I don't do it. And what I do want to do, I don't do. And what I don't want to do, I do do. How do I fix this? How do I become the proclaimer of God's word that he wants me to be? I'm so imperfect. I'm so faulted. I do what I don't want to do and can't help it. And I don't do what I want to do. You can feel Paul's angst almost. But what's extraordinary about him is that he doesn't just say, okay, therefore, you know, I'm really a bad proclaimer of the gospel because of my own faults and failings, so I'm just going to let it sit over there. I'm not going to do that anymore. To the contrary, we hear him in today's second reading. The Thessalonians say, you know, I have to proclaim the word of God to you. And I've come among you as a, as a gentle mother to nourish you and nurture you. And the word of God is so precious and so beautiful. It's from God. It's not my word. And therefore I must proclaim it. And you must receive it if, if our world is to be the world it's supposed to be. If it's to survive and to thrive as God has willed it to be. And, and in Paul's life, we find really the answer to that perplexing doubt about our own suitability to proclaim 
this beautiful word that's come to us in the life of Jesus, which we don't live up to, which we don't walk in fact, which in so many ways we are so broken in proclaiming. Paul, it seems, has a couple, three, a couple things on his side. A couple things that allow him to go on proclaiming with full energy and full force. The good news of Jesus Christ to whoever will listen. To Romans, to Greeks, to Jews. The first thing is this extraordinary humble honesty or honest humility that he has. You know, he knows, having examined his own life, knowing his own faults and failings, having examined his conscience, he knows he ain't perfect. He knows he's got lots of faults and failings. He knows there's some people who really don't like him very much because of his manner with other people. Some of them even say he was really boring to listen to. They fell asleep during his sermon. Yet, that humility and that honesty about himself allows him to do something extraordinary. To proclaim the gospel with full force and to do it in a way that makes him one with those he's speaking to. In his humility and his honesty about himself, he doesn't look down on the other people, even when he gets frustrated with them. You stupid Corinthians, he says at one point. But he knows and understands that because of his own faults and failings, he's not standing on a pedestal looking down on them like the Pharisees in the gospel story saying, you people are all bad and I'm so good. Follow my example. No, it's, we're in this together. We're all faulted. We're all failures in so many ways. We all make such big mistakes. We all find ourselves doing what we don't want to do and not doing what we know we should do. We therefore are walking this path together, encouraging one another. And some go farther ahead. Some have an easier way than others. And that's why we need each other. That's why we need each other. That's why we need to come together. That's why we need to come to church. Not because we're perfect. Not because we already got it made. But because we're imperfect. Because we're faulted. Because we need each other. Because the gospel needs to be proclaimed. Faulted vessels of the gospel that we are. And there's a third thing about Paul. Maybe this is a little presumptuous on my part. But it seems to me Paul was a person who, in his own prayer, knew that he had to pray in hope that with God's assistance, with Christ's grace, with the power of the Holy Spirit, he could get better. That with each mistake he's made and with each victory he wins, with each day that passes, with each new year that the Lord gives him. He can get better, he can improve, he can mature. He can grow in love and compassion and forgiveness in the way of the gospel and become a more faithful proclaimer of the gospel to others in humility and honesty. 
and in communion with them. It's that prayer to the Lord to say, Lord, I am, you know, a clay vessel. And I've got this beautiful gift you've put inside me, the word of God itself, not my word, your word. And I have to share it, so make me a little bit better today at living what I proclaim, at doing what Jesus did, as loving as he loved, with all of my faults and my failings. And when finally, when finally I arrive at glory with you, when finally I've run the race, and there is still yet that which is incomplete in me, that which is not full in me, that which is not yet of you in me, through your graciousness and your kindness and your mercy and your love, when that day finally comes, Fill those vacuous parts. Fill those empty spaces. Fill those faults and those cracks with your love and your grace and your peace. And it's that that allows us that hope that we can grow, that we can mature, and that Jesus will fill what's lacking in us that allows us too to continue to proclaim the gospel in word and as best we can indeed to love and to forgive and to be compassionate and merciful in spite of ourselves, in spite of our faults and our failings. For it is not our word we proclaim. It is the word of God we proclaim.